Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today. I ask, Father, please, that you open up every heart, every ear, and every eye spiritually. And I pray, Father, that you help us to receive the things that you have us to receive today. And Father, in the, the different kind of twist in this message series for each of these things that we're looking at that Jesus did, I pray, Father, please, that they are seen and understood and that it blesses and that it um, enriches lives and um, encourages our activity as Christians, as salt and light in the world that we live in. So I just pray, Father, that you honor this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing our Miracles and Signs series of messages, and today's message is entitled Multiplying Fishes. We left off last week in our Miracle and Signs message series with Jesus performing the miracle that fed 5,000 or 10,000 plus people. He multiplied five loaves of bread and two fishes to feed the multitude in a desolate and sparsely populated area. We, we established there was no taco trucks in that region, and that wouldn't supply the need that was needed. This was a miracle that also had pointed to Jesus being greater than Moses and being the messianic king. This was a testing for the disciples, just like the Israelites were tested in the wilderness when, when God miraculously gave manna or manna from heaven to feed them. And when we left off with Jesus' proclamation that he was the bread of life, I want us to go back this morning. I want us to continue looking at this miracle. So do you remember how I, re I mentioned that everything in Scripture, even the little details mentioned like the quantities of the loaves and the fishes were important? Every detail, every detail in our lives is not missed by God. And everything that God is doing is intentional. God knows what he's doing. So... We talked about the bread last week and its importance, but I didn't talk about the fish. I don't know if you remember that. We talked about the multiplication of the bread, but not the fish. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning, looking at the fish, hence multiplying fishes, right? Or multiplying fish. I don't know which is the proper way. Is fish is a word? Is it, is it grammatical? Fish is plural, right? Okay. But anyways... <laughs> So, here's, here's something I want to ask you. Did you know that fish were the first thing in God's creation that he blessed and multiplied? When you go back to Genesis and the creation of everything, everything in the water was the first thing that he blessed and multiplied. So there's a correlation that we're going to look at of the fish and the multiplying of the fish. And you and I know there are many different things that can be applied to fish spiritually. And as you read through the creation of the heavens and the earth, sun, moon, stars, oceans, trees, plants, at the beginning of Genesis 1, you'll see God proclaims that they are good. And praise God for that. Everything was good. We messed it up, but everything is good, right? Sin messed it up. Man messed it up. Satan had his, has his field day, but God is victorious. Amen? And God is victorious. So I want to read what happens in Genesis chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. So, so let's read that. So God created great sea creatures. I wonder what kind. You know, you think about prehistoric, you think about pre-flood, you think about, you know, what creatures were in the water. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind. 
and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So, what I want to focus on here is that fish were the first creation God blessed and multiplied. I've already established that. In the Hebrew language and Bible, a fish symbolizes multiply, multiplication, fruitfulness, and abundance. Okay, So the fish represents a great blessing. A great blessing. So the provision of fish for the multitude, like the bread, also pointed to Jesus being greater than Moses. Moses only provided by God the manna, but not the fish, right, that the people missed and craved for from Egypt. You know, I think about them as slaves in Egypt craving for their, the, the boiled pots of meat and all the vegetables and things like that, and, and yet they were willing to go back. They were saying, we, we, you know, what do you want us to die out here in the wilderness? And they were willing to go back and be slaves so they could eat around a pot of food. They were truly missing the mark of what God was doing, that God would provide for them. So as loaves of bread pointed to Jesus, the bread of life and the word of God in the flesh, so too the fish pointed to the importance of the word of God. We're going to explain that in a little bit here. And did you know, what, did you know that when it rains, this is interesting, that when it rains, it's common for fish to open their mouths and catch the drops as they desperately needed water, although they're immersed in water and surrounded by that. Have you ever been at a pond and it's raining and you watch the fish, they seem to come to the surface a lot? They're catching raindrops. <laughs> and yet they've got all the water you think they could possibly need and more. And that's, a, that's an interesting point that we're going to look at as well as we look at the different twists in this message. And do you remember what we talked about last week regarding the Israelites in the wilderness? Let's look at, let's look at this. Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, he allowed you to hunger, he fed and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Of course, God already knew what they were going to do, testing them to see what the results were going to be, God already knows. But the reality is the test is for them to see what they might see about themselves that they didn't know, Right? Sometimes God will allow us to go through tests to see ourselves in ways that we didn't see before. He'll allow us to go through tests to see God in ways that we've never seen him before. And we have opportunity to gain a blessing from it. If we, if we can step back in the pain of testing and just know that God is working good through it. He's always working good. Always. Even when we don't see it. The Israelites' testing in the provision of the manna in the wilderness was to teach them to trust God and to obey his word. Jesus was teaching his disciples and the people of his day the same thing during this miracle in John chapter 6. 
What was the secondary lesson that Jesus was teaching through this miracle? Let's, let's read it in John 6, 11 through 13. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Have you ever experienced God stretching your budget and you don't know how it got stretched? You know, when you honor him, you pay your tithes and offerings, you're trusting him with all your life, your finances, everything, and you know you're up against the wall, and you know that you got issues with, with bills or whatever, but you put him first, and then you see him provide. And it's, we, don't, we don't laugh in that experience, I don't believe. We see God provide for us, and we didn't think, he can sit down and write it all out, and we go, oh boy, there is no way. But then you commit it to God, and you just be faithful through it, and there, the way was provided. And so we can praise God for that. I was talking to Torin this morning. He goes, Grandpa, can you read me a, a Bible story? Because we, we were the first ones over there in the fellowship hall. I said, sure, and he has this, the active Bible. It's a cartoon version, comic strip ver version of it. So I sat down. We happened to read about uh, the Elijah and the widow in the desert and how her flour and oil and water just kept being supplied. I, I thought about that often in my life. I thought, you know, God can always just continue to take care of me. Even if, I, even if I see the impossibility, I see God's grace, love, and provision. So praise God for that. Jesus, did, Jesus didn't just provide a meal. He provided an abundant meal with leftovers. He not only fed the thousands of people, but there were lots of leftovers. And Jesus wants to provide abundantly for us too. Now when I say that, I'm not saying that we're all to be rich, fancy houses, clothes, cars, stocked up bank accounts, whatever, whatever but rich in him. But I'm also saying he can't do the other too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those things aren't bad, but they certainly are not the things that we should put our trust and security in at all. Jesus wants to provide, again, abundantly for us too. When we see God providing beyond what the budget says it'll do, beyond what we think is even possible, what are, what are our hearts to? We look to God and go, God, thank you. Thank you for reminding me that you are my father, you love me, you know my needs, and nothing is impossible with you. Praise God for that. But what allowed Jesus to do that, do this for the multitude? What allowed Jesus to do this abundant, abundant work for, the, for those in that multitude? And, and this is key here. Don't, don't miss this. The disciples gave what meager resources they had and let Jesus bless and use them. Have you ever heard Christians say, oh, I don't have any gift, I don't have any ability, I don't have anything that I can give, I don't have much of anything, and they start shooting themselves down, I'm not valuable enough or whatever. The truth is, whatever, whoever we are and whatever we have, God can use for him if we give it to him. Most importantly, if we give ourselves to him, 
and then we give as God leads us to give with whatever resources we have, we can see God use those things for him. And it'll bring him glory, it'll build our faith, and it'll be another wow factor. It'll be another wow factor. We too need to give thanks to God and hold up what little God may have given us in materials, time, and gifts, and let him bless and multiply them for his glory. Do not ever say, I have nothing to offer up to Jesus. I think about the secular Christmas song, Drummer Boy. He could drum a beat for the newborn king, right? No matter what we have, if we give it with a genuine heart before God, God will bless that. The disciples did that with a meager amount of food, five loaves and two fish, and fed over 5,000, probably more than 10,000. And so we can trust him. So we may look at our resources and gifts and not, and not see them as enough to serve God and others with. But just as the disciples brought what they had to Jesus, we too need to go to Jesus with our resources. So a question might be entertained here. Are you uh, utilizing what God has given you for him? Because there's blessings in that. God wants to bless us abundantly. And as we yield ourselves and surrender to him and say, God, how can I serve you more? How can I give more? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? You know who I am and what I have, but I want to honor you. And if we approach God that way, God will tell us. <laughs> oh, oh, no, Lord. <laughs> Faith, trust, and watch the hand of God work in our lives. I love that. We must bring every situation, every resource, and every little or big decision to God and trust him to take care of things his way. You say everything? Well, you might you know, it's silly in some ways, but, you know, when Kathy and I only had $600 or less than $600 a month to, to pay all of our bills, to buy our food, to do... All the, everything, you know life, what it costs. We would pray, can we go to McDonald's and get an ice cream cone? And uh, it just made the ice cream a little sweeter when we ate it, because he said yes. <laughs> you know, because we're surrendering ourselves to him. We're, yield, we're laying ourselves down before him. And in all humility, we're saying, Father, I trust you, and I'm calling on you to help me to have the wisdom and the direction and, and to be in your will and your purpose as you would have me to go. And, there's a richness there in our walk when we are yielding ourselves to God with, with all that we are. We're to seek his wisdom and guidance about how to use your time, your gifts, etc. So the more we rely on God and not on our own wisdom and experience alone, the more God will multiply what's given to us. Do you understand that, what, that thing more than our, wis, our own wisdom and experience alone? It's natural to rely on our own reasoning and our own experience, but we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and let God tell us what he wants us to hear. Right? We need to listen to God. And we need to act upon his directives in our lives and not our own logic. You say, well, that's, that's counterintuitive. Yeah, it is. But when you walk in the spirit, you do the best with what you have and understanding and all that, but you don't let that be your express um, 
a mode or gauge of living. We don't let our wisdom and experience be the only thing we rely on. We rely on God's wisdom because God has a plan. He has something he wants to do in your life, in each of our lives. And if we're just yielding to him and saying, God, I know what you've given me. I know what intelligence you've given me. I know all these things, wisdom and experience I have. But as I follow you, just let me be following you based upon um, what you say and not weighing up what you say up against my wisdom and experience. Because sometimes they don't match up. Sometimes God tells us something that our logic says that's not, that's not logical. <laughs> Don't do that. But if the Holy Spirit's saying do it and you know it, do it. Do it. Silly example before we go on. Um, Sunshine, Sunshine Theater over at Pleasant Valley Christian um, Church putting on a Willy Wonka play, Right? So we had seen our grandchildren in one of, the, one of the plays, and then they said, well, the next play coming up is Willy Wonka, and if you want to be in it, sign up. And so um, I'm sitting there, and the Holy Spirit's going, sign. No. Sign it. No. This doesn't make sense. It's not logical. I don't understand it. Willy Wonka, really, Lord? Sign it. Pressure, pressure, pressure. And I knew it was the Lord, and so I went up and I signed it, and there's no more pressure. <laughs> and, I said, God, and I still say, as I'm trying to learn all my lines and learn my songs and all of that, I'm still saying, I know you're doing something, Lord. You told me to do this, and I'm trusting you to give me the grace to be able to do it. <laughs> right? Because it's not easy. And when you're ADHD and you're distracted constantly, and you're trying to think about everything you need to do at the same time, you told me, Lord, and so I'm trusting him. And I might sound, you might think that that's silly, but I'm, I, I sense the Holy Spirit's not just leading, it was like, like this, if you know what I mean. And I'm trusting he's going to do what he wants to through that, whether he allows me to recognize it or not. And so we have to have that type of thinking in our walk with Jesus. It, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to rely on you first, and I'm going to utilize what wisdom and experience that I have, but always under your guidance. And I'm going to trust you to guide me. So, the more we, we rely on God and not on our own wisdom and experience alone, the more God will multiply what's given to us. I'm expecting God to work some things that will produce fruit. One way or another. Because obedience and faith always produce fruit. Amen? Okay. This applies to personal needs, the personal needs we have, or ministry needs we have, or goals that we have. Let God use what is in your hands. Let God meet the need. See what God does. It's part of the excitement of living for Jesus. So we've looked at how fish are related to abundance, but I also want to talk about the fish's connection to multiplication, as we talked about in Genesis. God originally in Genesis blessed the fish with fruitfulness and multiplication. Now do you remember what Jesus 
told his disciples in Matthew 4, 18 and 19. You should know where I'm going. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now they could have, go, could have gone and said, what? <laughs> I mean, it's a familiar term for us, but it's not a familiar term for them. We know what it means, but they didn't know what it meant. So I praise God for their willingness to follow Jesus. There is something, the, the, the power of Jesus' words was drawing them, and they knew it. I don't understand what you're talking about, Lord. Because you can, you can pretty well take it to the bank. They didn't understand what it meant <laughs> to be fishers of men. But they knew that they were supposed to do it. And they dropped their profession and they left to follow Jesus. See, that goes against our wisdom and experience. But it steps us up into a place where we're listening to God. And as we listen to God, God will lead us in ways we've never expected before. And he will bless that and multiply that with blessings in our lives. Jesus called his disciples to be fishers of men. Then as he was ascending to heaven in Matthew 28, 19, he tells them, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. As the fish were blessed to multiply, so we as Christians, right? We're called to multiply. We too are called to be fishers of men and multiply the fishes. I see you bringing friends to church, inviting people, encouraging people. I see you witnessing. I hear testimonies of you sharing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we are doing. And so God bless you for that. Because that's how fish are multiplied. God's called us to re rep replicate, if you will, more fishes. Pardon me. More fish. <laughs> Early symbols of believers were the ichthus. We know about that, okay? Because they connected fish to their mission. <coughs> Excuse me. And our mandate to be fishers of men. Jesus gave the disciples a visual lesson, a sign, and a miracle in John 21, 6. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now get this. They've been fishing all night. They were exhausted nothing was coming up. You can't say not biting because they weren't throwing bait like that. But nothing was happening all night. And they're experienced fishermen going to the right spots. They're exhausted. It's all through the night. And they hear Jesus say, hey, cast on the other side of the boat. Don't you think they would have done both sides? But maybe at that particular time, at that particular place, Again, on that side of the boat, Jesus was going to do something. And so what did they yield to? They didn't yield to their wisdom and experience. They yielded to God's word. They yielded to the Holy Spirit, telling them to do something. This does not compute. I don't care if it computes. Do it. <laughs> right? And, of course, they did it. So they... So, um, and he said to them, cast it on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. The scriptures, if you read the account, it says they had to call another boat over to help get the fish into the... It was huge. 
isn't that a cool way for us to live our faith and walk with God? We're saying, okay, God, you're telling me something that goes against this and experience, but I'm trusting you. And then we go out and we step out and do what God calls us to do. And then God does a wonder and we know it's his hand. And we're like, wow, I want to live more like that. I love those times. And I say that freely now, but God's going to probably say something to me and say, you need to do this. You know, what? And he's going to go. <laughs> you know, and it's up to me to, to respond to him. Just as Jesus filled the disciples' net to bursting with fish, God always calls us to help bring in a great catch. You see, the fishermen are on the boat, and they're helping to pull the net up. They call other fishermen to come and help too. God will involve us in his work of reaching people to come to know him. Jesus offers us abundant life and provision and causes us to be and make disciples of all nations. Don't minimalize that simple statement that all of us already know. It should be a criteria and something of great importance because it is of great importance that we're available fishermen to step out, drop the line. Hey, you know what? I found in my witnessing times that it doesn't hurt to drop the line and see if someone bites. Right? When you used to go fishing, take a piece of white bread, put a little spit on your fingers, roll up the white bread in a ball on a tight thing, slip it on the hook, drop it in the, in the canal. Right? Does it take much to do that? No. Put it out there and see if you get a nibble. When I used to do that sitting on the bridge, watching that white piece of bread hang in there, and all of a sudden it goes, and then it's, I don't see it anymore. Pull the line. We learn how to become fishers of men. Drop the bait. Drop the line. And sometimes Satan will try to convince us and say, ah, it's too much work to drop the line, or you don't want to waste your time because it's not going to work anyways, or whatever. But drop the line. Make the statement. It could be just a statement. Take the stand. Right? Take the action. Jesus offers us abundant life and provision and causes us to be and make disciples of all nations. The miracle of multiplying the loaves of bread and fish were meant to be assigned to us. That if we will trust God and obey his word, we too will multiply and be abundantly blessed. You know what I've found with the Willy Wonka thing? People that are there are not all Christians. They're not all, it's not all from the church. They're pulled in from the community. It's opportunity to bear witness. Because I don't know how it gets around town, but they know I'm a pastor. <laughs> yeah. And so it's an opportunity. And I was, I was thinking about this because yesterday for my birthday, uh, we didn't celebrate, we were celebrating today with the, with the Super Bowl. But um, on my texts on my phone, I kept getting these, you know, the, the electronic birthday cakes and candles and all that stuff. But see, the ones that came up that had no names, just phone numbers with, 
I know that there are people that were from <laughs> the Wonka cast. I don't know their names, and that's not, I haven't attached them into my phone yet, so to speak, right? Their names weren't, there, there was no names. Sometimes I get those or have, or have the name of the person saying, you know, whatever, but these just had the phone number. I had no clue who they were. My point is, is that I had several people from the cast sending me birthday wishes that I didn't know. Still don't know who they are. Some of them, a couple of them I figured out. So I'm thinking, you're doing something. You're doing something, Lord. And so, again, the miracle of multiplying the loaves of bread and fish were meant to be a sign to us that if we will trust God, drop the line, listen, all that, trust God and obey his word, we too will multiply and be abundantly blessed. Whenever we're faithful and obedient to God, and doing what he leads us to do, God will bless you and that for his glory. So lift up your bread and fish to God this week. That's all I've got, Lord. And give thanks and watch God bless and multiply it for his glory. I mean, try to shift it into the reality of our lives and where we are and we're in, our, in our close this message. When I say lift up our fish and our bread to the Lord, meaning our whatever meager things that we have, apply that to the reality of who we are and what we have. And say, God, I'm willing to give this to you, to use it for your kingdom. And then we will experience the blessing of the wow. <laughs> Look what God did. And that's exciting. <laughs>